0: How to tell if your church leaders are preaching the truth. Today we start a short study, three days, on Paul's letter to Titus. Titus is mentioned a lot in Paul's letters. He was a Greek believer, but he was also a pastor, church planter, and a missionary leader. Titus was traveling with Paul on one of Paul's missionary journeys when they were shipwrecked in the island of Crete. There they found some believers, but there was no church organization. So Paul left Titus there. In this letter, Paul gives Titus instructions on how to form a church with strong leaders. I'm reading today from the NIV, the New International Version. So Titus chapter 1, Paul's reading. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time and which now at his appointed season he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior to Titus my true son in our common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father of Christ Jesus our Savior. Notice that Paul refers to himself as a servant of Christ before he says apostle. Some versions use the word slave, but it's a bond slave who wasn't bought or sold, but was a paid employee of the household or business. This type of servant had the choice whether to stay working for his or her master. So this shows Paul's dedication to the work that Christ commissioned him to do. He's doing Christ's will for his life. He also states that his purpose is to further the faith and knowledge of the truth. That's Paul's purpose in life to preach the hope of eternal life and the promise of God. He also trains preachers and church planters, of which Titus is one. Continuing, appointing elders who love what is good. Verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be a blame must, must be blameless. Faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So here Paul is describing the traits of a good church elder or leader. Faithful to his wife, that means only one wife, and that means it's okay to be married. It um, is a good parent with children who behave. Have children, you should be married. Okay blameless, above reproach, not pursuing dishonest gain, hospitable, self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined, and holds firm to the trustworthy message, the gospel truth. He mentions two positions, elder and overseer. Are they different? Maybe. An elder governs, is a leader, shepherd of the flock, teacher. An overseer could also be called a bishop or deacon, Was A servant, also a leader, like ushers or organizers, you know, so it just really depends on nowadays depends on what denomination and what they call what leader, um, you know, priest, pastor, all, all different things. But, you know, basically, it's church leadership overall. So what does a good church leader do? Provide sound teaching teaches the gospel truth and doesn't veer from it, doesn't water it down or twist it to mean something else just to make people feel good. Two, encourages people, especially during tough times. Three, rebukes, refutes, corrects, and convicts, convicts church members who go wrong or question the teachings. And Paul goes on here, rebuking those who fail to do good. We're continuing in verse 10. For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced, because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This saying is true, therefore rebuke them sharply, so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to merely human commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciousness are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing any good. Well, here's where we get the derogatory term Cretan. But Cretans are just people from the island of Crete, which is just off the coast of Greece and Turkey. Good, strong church leaders should be able to recognize when members of the flock go astray. They need to keep them sound in faith. Many false teachers will come around there will be unbelievers who are drawn to the crowd. They are corrupt. This happens to all types of churches. You hear of stories of deacons who steal money from the collection plates, treasurers who invest church funds and get rich quick schemes or go to casinos. It happened back then and it still happens today. Now that you know what a good church leader is supposed to look like, take a look at your church leadership. Think about this. One, do they preach the gospel truth or does what they say sound funky? Like you're like, hmm, hmm, that just doesn't sound right. Well, if you've got that question in your head, that means that something's not right. So you want to go to the Bible and you want to check out what they say. I mean, I've been in churches where they read a Bible passage because that is a designated passage in the um, uh, the ecclesiastical, ecumenical calendar, you know. But then they preach on something totally different, having, having nothing to do with it. They don't really teach the Bible. So you want to be careful because you're not getting the... Uh, the meat, you know, that's the true gospel truth. There, you're, you're, and and you're not going to grow in that church. So you might, you might want to start shopping around. Second thing, what is their story? Their witness? Are they true born again believers, or are they legalistic leaders who trade Jesus for rites, rituals, and regulations? Three, are they capable of transforming not just the church? but the whole culture of an area. One question that um, I think got our church here in Phoenix really working was somebody asked um, or um, at a conference our pastor was at said, um, they asked uh, if your church disappeared tomorrow, would it be missed? The community. And it's happening now a lot when you think about it because a lot of churches are closed. in fact, our pastor was saying uh, was saying that they've um been getting a lot of new people because of that. their churches have closed, but they see the sign you know in the yard of our church that we're open no we're open, and we have five people that are getting baptized this Sunday, so you know just because you were born. Um, in a family that goes to a certain, a certain church, a certain denomination, doesn't mean you have to stay in that church, especially if you're not getting fed the gospel truth, the word of God. You can't recognize the truth until you know the truth. Moreover, you can't know the truth without the Holy Spirit and Jesus in your heart. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation. You can receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way non-stop ticket to heaven, and that you won't be left behind in the rapture, which can happen any day now. This is what you have to do. Invite Jesus into your heart. If you don't know how to do that, there is a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog. And over in my blog, I have other links to for you to dig deeper, like, you know, what does it mean to be born again? you know, uh what does it mean to recognize the gospel truth? You know, so I've done a lot of articles and a lot of and a lot of other podcasts. Also in the bottom of my blog, I've embedded three really nice music worship videos so you can worship God right in your living room or in your home wherever you are. And just listen to these to these songs. So just click on over to my blog. Um enjoy them. Solido Gloria to God alone be the glory. Good Christian leaders encourage zealous people for Jesus. When you attend a Christian church regularly, you should be growing in your faith. The church leaders should teach and encourage you on, one, the true salvation of Jesus Christ, and two, once you're saved, to grow from being a baby Christian to being a mature Christian. So you can teach others as you have been taught. In Titus chapter 2, Paul explains how the older people in a church should mentor, teach, and train the younger people to be zealous workers for Jesus Christ. And we read from Titus 2. Paul writes, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine." Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-control, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. no, no gossiping. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, and pure to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. And everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity. Seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach bond slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and to not steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Let's go over some main points here. One, teach sound doctrine. Stick to biblical truth. Whether a preacher or a Bible study leader, teach the gospel truth. Every church should have some sort of Bible study besides the weekly church service. Furthermore, besides services and study groups, every Christian should be reading and studying the Bible on their own daily. Feeding yourself with the word of God is the best thing you can do for your life. Two, be good role models. Young people learn by example. Show them what integrity really means. We should all live, live lives worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. you learn this again by studying the Bible. The Bible is our guide to, uh, to life given by the Holy Spirit. Three, it's okay to meet in mixed groups but having men-only and women-only groups of mixed ages is fantastic. I meet weekly with strong Christian women of all ages, and we support and teach each other in ways that we couldn't do in a mixed group of men and women. We come from different backgrounds. Moreover, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but have been redeemed. God is using each of us in our own way to lead, nurture, and teach others. Four, If we as Christians reflect Jesus in all we do, we inadvertently teach others about Jesus Christ. Continuing, this next portion is what it's all about. And we're reading in verse 11, Paul writes, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority, Do not let anyone despise you. Wow, I love that. Love that passage. Saved by grace to be zealous for God's works. This this sentence caught my attention. I was listening to the teaching on Titus 2 on Through the Word. That's a free Bible app that I recommend all the time. And it goes, "Um, he loves us as we are, not to leave us as we are. He'll take us as we are, but he won't leave us as we are. Jesus's purpose was to make us all zealous or passionate for God and the gospel. If you're not growing in your faith each time you attend a church service or meeting at your church, then you need to look for another church. Make sure they teach and preach the Bible. Make sure they teach the gospel truth. Are you zealous for Jesus? If not, then maybe you're not fully saved. Jesus is coming back soon. How would you like him to find you? Indifferent, like a robot, or zealous for him? If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit, and get a one-way, non-stop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind in the rapture, and that can happen any day now, this is what you have to do. Invite Jesus into your heart heart and if you're not sure how to do that or what to say there's a prayer in the show notes or you can click on over to my blog where I've got a link of how to invite Jesus into your heart also at the bottom of the blog for for, uh, this episode are two specially selected music worship videos and they are fantastic and they go with today's today's lesson So, soli gloria, to God alone be the glory. If you're just starting to read the Bible and prefer to hold a book in your hands rather than use an app, it's a good idea to get a study Bible. But which version or translation is best? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain, everyday English. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the these and the thousands, stopped reading it, totally defeating the purpose. Eventually, I got the New International Version, and that was great for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today, I also study from the New Living Translation. I'm an affiliate of Christian Book Distributors, and I've chosen two study Bibles that would be great for the new Christian believer. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. We are saved by the grace of Jesus and have hope for eternal life. In the final chapter of Paul's letter to Titus, we have some very important passages to consider. They're important because they are the truth. We have a problem in this world today that if people don't like the truth, they invent their own. Actually, that's been going on for a very long time. Why do you think Jesus always started sentences with, truly I tell you, or I tell you the truth? It's because the religious leaders of the Jews in the past made up stuff to glorify themselves instead of God. That's why God sent us believers his Holy Spirit. So, that we who are born again and receive the gift of the Spirit, we can discern what is the truth and what is a lie. We must always seek the truth. So, we read Titus chapter 3. Paul writes Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be kind. And gentle toward everyone. Uh-oh, here we go again, having to submit to authorities and rulers. We must respect the position. I heard something interesting from Senator Ted Cruz. He said, we Republicans fight till we win. When we lose, we stop. The Democrats fight and even when they lose, they keep fighting, unquote. They don't respect the will of the people. I remember in November of 2016, all the protests and riots in every major city that occurred after Trump won the first time. The leftists were yelling, not my president. I cried when Obama won twice, but I accepted it. I prayed for him and respected the office. I didn't agree with anything he did, but as Americans, we have the right to cast our votes. Second. And, as Americans, we need to accept and respect the government authorities and obey the laws. Third, do what is good. Don't slander. That means on Twitter, too. Be peaceable. No burning down businesses that took hard-working Americans' lifetimes to build. Be gentle toward everyone. Is that so difficult? Continuing, verse 3, Paul writes, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent, and profitable for everyone. Jesus saves us by God's love, mercy, and grace. Our sins are washed away in rebirth. We are born again. It's a renewal by the Holy Spirit. Our old lives are dead and our new eternal life with Christ begins. We then have a confident hope that this evil world is not all there is, hallelujah. Because we are saved and transformed by grace and the Holy Spirit, we are then supposed to dedicate ourselves to doing good when we obey and follow God's will for our lives. Our lives become excellent and profitable. Hey, that's a good thing. Dealing with dissenters, verse 9, Paul writes, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless warn a divisive person twice then warn them a second time after that have nothing to do with them you may be sure that such people are warped and sinful they are self-condemned you know life's too short to spend arguing i've found that there are people who are so brainwashed by the catholic church that nothing i can say or quote from the bible will change their minds sadly they are warped and sinful and self-condemned here we're told to warn them no more than twice and walk away. What I usually do is hit them with an article or two, then some scripture verses. If that doesn't work, that I tell them, listen, invite Jesus into your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you to the truth. You have nothing to lose. And I stop messaging them. I will, however, pray for them. Paul's final remarks, verse 12. As soon as I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I have decided to winter there. So Nicopolis is in Greece. Now, if Paul was writing this from prison in Rome, I think one thing that we have to remember, he was under house arrest. So I think he was fairly free to move around to a certain point. So um, uh, Nicopolis is in, uh, in Greece in uh, the Northern part, uh, probably near uh, Philippi and uh, Thessalonica uh, because that's where he decided to winter. So I guess it's not that cold there, um, as cold as it gets in Rome. But he was still in the Roman Empire, so so it wasn't like he was fleeing. Okay, verse 13. Do everything you can to help Zenos, Zenus the lawyer, and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need um so titus is in is in crete so which is not that far but it's still it's still a you know a voyage and what you kind of want to um do any travel by by ship during before the winter comes because then the seas get rough and the winds get tough and that's where you get a lot of uh shipwrecks like the one that happened to paul in the book of acts at the end um continuing verse 14 our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith." And that was Titus, and I've been reading from the NIV, the uh, New International Version. I love how Paul adds a personal touch to all of his letters. We lose that personal touch in emailing and messaging. Nevertheless, Paul reiterates that we must learn to devote ourselves to doing what is good. There is a lot of need out there right now. We are not to live unproductive lives. How do you know what God's will is for you? Well, you read and study the Bible and pray daily. He will tell you. How? It depends. Sometimes you'll get an idea and you'll have to pray and ask him if it's his will for your life. Sometimes it will be a person who happens to cross your path or a sermon, a song or a video. You have to keep your heart and mind open to receive his word. And I'm gonna end today's post with one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 46. And it reads, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble to the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam, let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. This one's important, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. That's God speaking directly to us. Then it ends in verse 11. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. I love that phrase, the Lord of heaven's armies. That's a mighty God. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, and if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way nonstop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture, which could happen any day now. This is what you have to do. Invite Jesus into your heart. And if you're not sure what to say, there's a, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog. Um, and there's a link that says how to invite Jesus into your heart. Also at the bottom of today's blog post are two fantastic worship videos. God is in control and uh, open up the heavens. So praise the Lord. Soli deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart. They are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation three twenty to 22 Look, I stand at the door and knock.